Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this service of worship. If you are worshiping with us for what is one of the first times, we want to say an especially warm welcome to you this morning. If you are a visitor in our midst, we invite you to fill out a connect card and to place it in the offering plate. And also, we invite you following worship to head through the doors to your left and into the atrium where you might enjoy some fellowship and coffee, but also to find those folks who are at the welcome desk who have bright yellow name tags. They are prepared to welcome you and also to hand you a bag that has literature about this beautiful congregation as well as a homemade treat, a sign of our gratitude for your presence with us this day. I do invite all of you to find the friendship pads that are located at the end of your pew, and if you would, take them and sign them and pass them down the row. We invite you to note the names of those who you are worshiping with on your pew so that you might greet one another personally following worship this morning. You'll also find in those registration pads our prayer cards. Your prayers are important to us. It is a joy to pray with you and for you, and so if you have a joy or a concern that you would like to make the pastoral staff aware of, please do fill out that card and drop it in the offering plate at the appropriate time. On the back page of your worship bulletin are announcements about upcoming ministries that are happening in our life and ministry together. I want to highlight a couple of those for you this morning. Coming up, all are invited to join for a group day trip to the Kimball Art Museum on October 30th. You can register online for this event and full details are there on the back page of your bulletin. This morning, we are highlighting commitments to lifelong learning as an important part of our Christian faith. This is happening in a variety of ways, including welcoming friends from Austin College this morning. We are grateful this morning to welcome the Austin College Acapella Choir under the direction of Dr. Wayne Cornell as part of our worship this morning. We are also welcoming Austin College President Stephen O'Day, his wife, First Lady Cece O'Day, and Dr. John Williams, who is Chaplain and Director of Religious Life and Student Affairs. We had the privilege of hearing from President O'Day during our 9.30 Sunday School hour as he talked about Austin College as a place that transforms students to send them out to transform the world. We have another opportunity to hear from Austin College today. Following worship, we'll have second Sunday lunch together, enjoy a meal and fellowship, but also a chance to hear from First Lady Cece O'Day as well as Dr. John Williams about their experiences um, at Austin College. So please do plan to join us for that. At this time, I would like to invite Austin College President Stephen O'Day to offer greetings. Well, good morning. morning. Greetings from Austin College. Thank you, uh, Reverend Ruffner, for your warm welcome this morning and to everyone. Um, My wife, Cece, and I are so happy to be here uh, and sharing this morning with all of you. I'd like to extend some special thank yous also to Sarah Johnson, Rebecca Gafford, and Joy Apple for helping to facilitate the arrangements for our visit. We are joined this morning by a number of other representatives of Austin College that Sarah already mentioned, but I'll repeat them. John Williams, our chaplain, Wayne Crennell, a music professor and director of Austin College Choirs is also here, of course, the choir is here, and it's a, you're in for a real treat today, as I, as I know you know. This congregation has many ties with Austin College. Joy Apple is a current trustee, 
Richard and Tori Agnich, John and Ann Anderson, Rebecca and Ron Gafford, Bo and Lysandra Miller, Stan and Judy Woodward, Mike and Stacy Wright, Bob and Mary Wright, Linus and Joyce Wright have all served the college with distinction over the years. Three Preston Hollow students, Anna Santala, Tommy Teschner, and Kara Clark are currently at Austin College, and the alumni, we'd be here the rest of the day if I were to try to list all of the alumni. It is truly a treat for us to be among so many proud Roos. At Austin College, we are committed, I personally am committed, to educating the whole student, mind, body, and spirit. We challenge students to think and respond both critically and globally. AC offers opportunities for spiritual growth through service, Bible study, student-led worship, and rich interfaith dialogue. The Activator program is in its 23rd year. This year, the Activators will lead monthly worship services at the Homestead Senior Care Center in Denison, adult education activities at Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, and St. Andrew Presbyterian Church in Denton. And they will provide retreats for children and youth in presbyteries in Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico. This spring, Austin College and the Activators will host Shisey on campus. This will actually be the 700th event in the history of the Activator program. To date, more than 560 Austin College students have participated in the Activators program. Many of them go on to become leaders within their own congregations, such as this one. Service opportunities also abound at Austin College. Annual events like the Great Day of Service, Jan Serve, Green Serve, and First We Serve are all growing. First We Serve is a service project held during freshman orientation each year. This year, a record-breaking number of meals, over 38,000 of them, were packaged and have been sent to Honduras. The students only stopped making the meals because we ran out of rice, actually. They'd still be going as we speak. This project has become so meaningful to students that our seniors have created another service opportunity aptly named before we go. All told, Austin College students provide over 16,000 volunteer hours annually. The Alternative Spring Break program is another opportunity for service. Last year, 40 students and faculty and staff worked in partnership with Presbyterian Disaster Assistance in Lafayette, Louisiana. The year before, students went to San Marcos. Their projects have primarily included rebuilding and cleanup aid in flood relief efforts. This spring, they are headed to Corpus Christi. Led in part by these experiences, 
Nine Austin College alumni are currently studying in seminaries throughout the country. We are proud that two members of the class of 2018 are among that number. Over 50 Austin College alumni are serving as full-time clergy or educators in churches or specialized ministries in 11 different states. Austin College also leads all Presbyterian colleges in sending graduates to serve as young adult volunteers through the Presbyterian Church USA mission field. Another member of the class of 2018, Bailey Page, was accepted <coughs> into the YAV program at the United Nations in New York City, but he will not be immediately following that call. We're going to let him off the hook because he will be f teaching English in Malaysia on a Fulbright scholarship this year. Friends, if you wonder where the church leaders of tomorrow are to be found, I am here to announce they are at Austin College today. We very much appreciate your commitment to Austin College through the leadership roles of members of this congregation, your support of the Sarah Bernice Mosley Scholarship Program and the Activators, and through your prayers. It's because congregations like this one that Austin College continues to live out its covenant with the Presbyterian Church by focusing on what that special relationship enables us to offer to all students, to the church, and to the world. We look forward to strengthening the relationship between Austin College and this congregation and to finding new ways to broaden our shared purposes. Again, thank you for having us this morning. President O'Day, thank you so much for your remarks, for being with us during our 9.30 Sunday School Hour, and to all members of the Austin College family, we're so grateful to have you with us. Friends, this is the day that the Lord is still making. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
with one voice, please join me in our responsive call to worship. In worship, we remember that God so loves the world. We are reminded that all belong to God. In worship, the old and the young join hands. The mourning and the joyful share peace. The powerful and the powerless raise their voices together. We are reminded that we belong to one another. In worship, God knits us together into the body of Christ. God in our worship and in our daily lives. Help us to trust that all belong to God and live like we belong to one another. God's glory, it is inevitable 
that we are confronted with the ways we fall short of our calling as God's children. With humility and courage, let us together confess our sins before God and one another. God of the harvest, you ask us to bring forth our first fruits. You ask to share generously with others and to show love by giving of ourselves. Instead, we bring you our leftovers. We share and give of ourselves when it is convenient or advantageous. Forgive us for our withholding and humble us with your grace. Fill us with your abundant love so that we might create a community centered around you. Amen. God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. As a sign of our reconciliation, let us now share and extend the peace of Christ with one another, with your neighbor. The peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. scripture read aloud, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. We are hungry, Lord, for truth, for justice, for love. Nourish us this day with better food than we could ever purchase, engineer, or manufacture. Your word, your love, your spirit, your daily bread for our life's journey in the company of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So again, I'd like to welcome all visitors who may be among us this day, uh, certainly to our Austin College family. Uh, we are so grateful that you are here at Preston Hollow this morning and to our choir. Thank you so, so much. Um, I went to one of the other Presbyterian colleges that does not lead the way. <laughs> but it is so good to be a connectional church and also to be connected as Presbyterian-related institutions 
Um, I know firsthand what a gift that is for a liberal arts education, for a place that taught us how to read and to write and to not check our mind at the door, and that it was our duty, dum vivimus servimus, while we live, we serve. So welcome, we are so great, grateful that you all are here, and thank you for your continued legacy. Friends, uh, if you are just joining us for the first time this morning, you need to be aware we are picking up in the middle of a conversation, a conversation that we began back uh, in September that it is exploring our new vision statement, which is trusting that all belong to God, living like we belong to one another for the month of October. We are exploring this second part of our vision statement, living like we belong to one another. And so uh, it's commitment season for the month of October. Every month of October is our opportunity to respond with the first fruits of our labors. And you hear us talk about that all the time, the first fruits of our labors. But the reality is we have very few farmers in the congregation. Where does that term first fruit come from? comes to us uh, from Levitical code, and so we're going to turn uh, to the book of Leviticus, and here's the first piece of good news this morning. Your bulletin says we're going to read uh, all of chapter 19. We're not. <laughs> we're going to read uh, verses 9 and 10, so listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. When you harvest your land's produce... You must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field. And don't gather up, everything up every remaining bit of your harvest. Also, do not pick your vineyard clean or gather up all the grapes that have fallen there. Leave these. Leave these items for the poor and for the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask that you would create afresh and anew this very day, that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words. That they might be your word to us here and now. And we pray, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God. Our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. On my 15th birthday, my parents, one of the gifts they gave me was a new international version study Bible. This is what I remember about that Bible. It, had, uh, it was all black except for the front cover had this giant wave on the front of it. The pages had full of uh, notes and charts and graphs. It was really meant to be a study Bible. That night of my 15th birthday, I made a goal that every night before I went to bed, I would read just a little bit of the Bible with the larger goal of reading the entire Bible. Everything was going well that first month. 
you know where this is headed. I read the creation stories in Genesis. I uh, then moved on to Abraham and Sarah and then Shipra and Pua, those two giants of our faith who as the first act of civil disobedience ever recorded in the Bible saved Moses, baby Moses, who then came to be the leader of the Israelites. And then I got to Leviticus. I got to tell you, every night I could read like 10 words and it was just like a sleeping pill. Put me right out. <laughs> I'll never forget, it was uh, like one Thursday evening one week and I noticed in my Bible that the bookmark in Leviticus, literally all week had not turned one page. I wonder how many of you have uh, set out to read the entire Bible and then hit the Levitical speed bump. Maybe you hit it and so you just got stuck there right on it. Or maybe you hit the gas and you just floored it and you skipped right over it. I mean, Leviticus is tough. It could be dry, it can feel old, it's made up of laws and rules and regulations and commandments. You know, sometimes uh, people say to me in passing, you know, uh, Matthew, I believe that every word in the Bible is true, and if we just lived the word, we would be better people. I think this, I don't necessarily say it out loud, but I think, have you read Leviticus? <laughs> There are all kinds of commandments that would certainly derail us as Texans and certainly Dallasites. <laughs> like, for instance, touching the skin, skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. If the Cowboys uh, promise to wear gloves and to change them every time they touch the football this afternoon at 4.30 when they play, should they be permitted to play football? I don't know, you say. Maybe if they changed their gloves every play, they would finally win. <laughs> or how about this one? Do not eat meat with the blood still in it. That means never going to a steakhouse and getting a steak medium rare again. Say, well, you know, I uh, believe in Leviticus. I want mine super well done. It'll be chewy, but bring it on out. Or this final one, do not wear clothing, clothing made of interwoven wool and linen. Just to let you know, I did a little checking on the tag of my robe this morning. <laughs> and my stole, interwoven wool and linen. What are we supposed to do with Leviticus? You know, because some of the most powerful words that we know in scripture come to us from Leviticus. Jesus one time was asked by a lawyer. The lawyer said, Jesus, I know that there are a ton of uh, laws and commandments. Can you just sum this up for me real quick, pal? Um, can you distill all of the law into one? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to him, uh, it's twofold. The first is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and with all your strength. That comes from Deuteronomy. And then Jesus says, and this is the second, Love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus. If Jesus elevates a, a verse from Levitical code to be part of the greatest commandment, what are we supposed to do with the remaining parts of Leviticus? 
I think throwing them out with the baby, uh, like throwing them out like the baby with the bath water isn't the right thing to do. Cherry picking uh, the ones that fit our particular side of the argument, that's not necessarily a good thing either. See Deuteronomy or Leviticus 5. I think if we throw out all of Leviticus and we cherry pick Leviticus that fits our argument, while well, that's tempting, it falls short of the wisdom and the truth and the power that Levit- Leviticus can still speak to us today. But in order to understand that wisdom and that power and that truth that we find in Leviticus, we have to go back to Exodus to understand what's happening when Levitical code was written. So here's Exodus for all of us in one minute. Got it? I'm going to skip out some stuff. I'm just going to skip over some things, so just forgive me. The Israelites, they're a people, they're a nation. And their leader, Joseph, has died. And a new Egyptian ruler, uh, a pharaoh, a, a god, has been named. And the new pharaoh doesn't care much for the Israelites, frankly, doesn't uh, appreciate them at all, because the Israelites are numbering almost 600,000 people now, and the Pharaoh is afraid that they are going to rise up against him and take him over, and so this is what the Pharaoh does. He enslaves the Israelite people. He enslaves them so they can build up storage cities. This is why a Pharaoh would want to build up storage cities, so uh, when there is a downturn in the economy, like when the market gets hit really hard and everybody is in need, those people will have to come to Pharaoh to eat, and the Pharaoh can bend their will to his. So the Israelites work day after day after day and build these storage cities, or in the words of Rob Bell, The Pharaoh and the Egyptians worked the Israelites ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with all kinds of work in the fields. The Egyptians used them ruthlessly. Let's pause here just for a second and say, um, you may use a computer. You may use a shovel. You may use a jack to jack up your car. You may even use an animal to till a field. But you don't use people. The Israelites are slaves. They're part of an entrenched system of inequality. Egypt is ordered in a particular way. Let's get sort of clear on that. Some are on top, some are on the bottom. Some people exist in Egypt to be used by others in Egypt. And a man named Moses is born, and God calls Moses to deliver the Israelites out of slavery, and they live in the wilderness for 40 years where God delivers them the Ten Commandments, and then they enter the Promised Land. End of Exodus in one minute. Okay, it took me two. Here's the point. When your life has been defined by slavery, when your life is defined by a force greater than your own, and it keeps you enslaved, when your life is seen as something to be 
used and easily discarded. When your life has literally been trying to survive day after day after day, one day at a time. When your life has been defined by oppression and injustice. When all you have ever known is the uncertainty of wilderness living. When your life has been utter chaos, the question is this. How do you create order in your life? How do you structure a society that is more just than the land that you just came from? A society that doesn't use people or see them merely as tools. Society that seeks to reflect the holiness of God and the holiness of one another. These are the questions that are before the Israelites These are the questions that those who wrote Leviticus are trying to answer. That's why there are a million laws and rules in Leviticus. Okay, they're not a million. They're 613. And and while some of these laws and rules feel outdated and irrelevant to our time, the intention and the purpose behind the laws is critically important. Because Leviticus is seeking to help Israel Leviticus is seeking to help us build a more just and fair and holy society, a more just and fair and holy life. And who doesn't want that? So uh, here's the other thing we need to know. The particular uh, verses that I read uh, from the pulpit this morning come to us in a section of the book of Leviticus known as the Holiness Code. Got it? The Holiness Code. And what we read is a radical request for these Israelites, for these once maximum producers. Their entire lives were determined on how much they could produce, glean, and build for Pharaoh. And Leviticus is now asking of people who literally worked 15 hours a day, seven days a week, and their entire life was dependent to make sure every grain was reaped into a basket. Leviticus is asking these efficient people not to be too efficient with their fields. Scholars tell us that this uh, Levitical code caused farmers to regraft how they feel, how they planted their fields. They would plant them in squares. And then they would harvest those fields, they would harvest in a circle. And so their, their, their fields that were in squares when they were harvested in circles would leave the four corners of the fields, the first fruits of their labor. And the first fruit was earmarked. Presbyterian minister uh, Scott Black Johnson asked the question that every frugal Presbyterian asks. Why this intentional wastefulness? Well, Leviticus says the, the edges of the field were to be left in this imperfectly unharvested manner so that those with no land, no capital, no means of production 
so that they could work and eat and live. That the poor could glean enough from the from these first fruits to make a life for themselves. God is saying to the Israelites, to these former slaves, that no one, no life is to be discounted, no life is to be thrown away. In fact, every person has a place in this nation. And that the first fruits of your fields should go to make sure that there's food for all. God builds generosity into the four corners. Generosity is built into the work and guaranteed for the least. It was the way that they lived like they belonged to one another. So the question then remains for us, right? Is generosity built into our field here at Preston Hollow? Is generosity built into uh, the fields of your family Do you leave anything in the four corners of your life? I have to tell you, uh, there was a time in my life where I didn't leave anything in the four corners of my field. There was a time in our family that I didn't feel like we could leave anything there. You know, uh, Sarah and I had just gotten married and we were uh, living in student Married, married, married student housing at Columbia Seminary. Rent was uh, $455 a month. And that included trash pickup, water, and they said pest control, but I'm not real sure on that. <laughs> but they said it was in there. Sarah just started a PA school at Emory School of Medicine. And we were living the just-married graduate school life, which meant uh, three days a week. Three days a week, we would go uh, to Raging Burrito. (laughs) We'd order one black bean burrito. One of us would cut said burrito, and the other one who didn't cut it got to pick which side we wanted. (laughs) We were still playing by those rules. We were just married. And we would eat our fill of chips and salsa. And I was working at a church. And uh, one day, uh, it was October, and our commitment letter came in the mail, and the little pledge card was there. And so I sat down, opened the letter, read it. It was really beautiful. Don't remember what it said, but then the card was there. And I thought I would write in our offering without talking to Sarah. So I took a pen, and I wrote right on the blank, Blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) Which was not totally untrue. My uh, entire job at the church at the time was working with our middle school youth group. (laughs) And that felt like the most accurate thing I could give. So Sarah came in from class and I said to her, uh, so I, I, I... took the liberty to fill out our commitment card. It's sitting right here. What do you think? Totally waiting for her to laugh. She didn't. I've gotten used to it. (laughs) (laughs) And she used that opportunity uh, to ask me what we really were going to commit. She said, Matthew, maybe we should have this discussion. Um, What are we going to give this year? 
I said, what do you mean, what are we going to give this year? Should I remind you, we eat bean burritos three nights a week. We split them, actually. I have half of one. I have one and a half burritos a week. I still pay my taxes? Isn't that enough? What do you mean, what are we going to give? And she said, Matthew, uh, will you please name a time in our lives? Will you name a time in your life? And take all the time you need, Matthew. Name a time in your life when you have ever lacked for anything. I thought about it and I said, um, I really want the chicken burrito, but you say it's too expensive and you make us get the bean. <laughs> and she said, Matthew, I'm going to ask you this way. Has there ever been a time in your life in which you have never been provided for? And I said, no, not one. She said, Matthew, don't we believe in a generous God? Don't we believe in a God who is generous with love and grace and compassion, a God who has called you to seminary, a God? who has always provided for God's people, a God who calls us to be generous? Don't we believe in that God? So what are we going to give? Just a very quick aside. Um, I was the one in seminary. That, uh, that evening was the, the first step for me. It was, a, it was a tiny step, but it was the first step. And leaving the first fruits out in the field. It was the, the first time in my life where uh, I was reoriented towards the generosity of God in a real tangible way. And that moment has led to 10 more years of moments just like it, where we sit down and intentionally talk about what we're going to leave in the field, our first fruits, not what's left over. Sarah taught me what it meant, in just a really small way, to live like we belong to one another. My friends, uh, the invitation. The invitation of the gospel for our lives and for the world is this. God calls us to a holier rhythm. A holier rhythm that calls us to build in generosity so that we can live out that generosity to others. To those that we belong to, our brothers and our sisters. And yes, they are all ours. You know, uh, Leviticus has 613 commandments in the book. You know, there are two, and that number's intentional, there are 248 positive commandments which uh, the ancient rabbis say corresponds to the number of sinews in the human body according to their science at the time. Then that leaves uh, 365 negative commandments in the book of Leviticus. A command for every day. The writer of Leviticus is trying to tell us that every fiber of our being, 
every limb, every breath that we take with our, our entire life is an opportunity to express this generosity and thanksgiving to God. And the invitation of Leviticus is we get to do it every single day. It's built in. It's built into how we work and how we live. And how we seek to live like we belong to one another. Can you think of better news for the world in which we live today? We are hardwired to care for one another. We're hardwired to love one another. We're invited to build it in every single day. You know, um, this command must have been really hard for the Hebrew people. People who knew hunger in a real way. People who had cried out for manna in the wilderness. It must have been really hard for them to leave four corners of their fields with perfectly good food in them. But they did. And this is how I think they did it. When you've reoriented your entire life, when you've reoriented all of your days towards thanksgiving to God and generosity to God and to one another, then inevitably what flows from your hands, what flows from your life, is generosity and thanksgiving. So, so my dear friends, may we live lives of holiness, generosity and thanksgiving that allows us to trust that all belong to God. And a life of holiness that invites us to live like we belong to one another every single day of our lives. What a gift that is. Thanks be to God. Amen. People of God, confident that we are in God's presence, I invite you to stand and join me in the affirmation of faith. We will be a loving, welcoming congregation, intentionally inclusive and respectful of all members and visitors. Children will be actively included and valued as members of the church family. Youth will be challenged to develop their faith and serve others in the spirit of Christ. Adults will find their church place where faith becomes reality, in community and service to others. You may be seated. As we prepare to pray as one voice for our church and for our community and for our world, I would invite you to take note of those joys and concerns that are lifted, listed on the back page of your bulletin, that you might remember those members and friends in your prayers in the days ahead. We would like to add the following to that list this morning. We ask for prayers for Cindy and Jeff Davis. Jeff has recently been hospitalized with pneumonia, and so ask for prayers of God's comfort and care, and particularly through the healing mercies of doctors and nurses. We also remember all of those on the East Coast who have been affected by Hurricane Michael and pray for God's love through the work of neighbors and friends 
first responders and organizations like Presbyterian Disaster Assistance. We also lift up a joy this morning, the jo joining of our new Oregon scholar, Jared Cook. Jared is a native of Houston, Texas. He began his formal organ study at the age of 17 and is currently a junior in organ performance at Baylor University. We give thanks to God, Jared, for your gifts and for playing in all three worship services this morning. We're so glad to have you. We also invite you following worship to stop and the tables in the north transept underneath the windows. There are care letters for those who have been named this morning, but also for other members and friends who are experiencing both joys and also concerns. We invite you to sign those letters, whether you know those individuals or not, that your signature would be a prayer and an act of grace for those. Friends, let us go before a loving and generous God in prayer this morning. Let us pray. God, in your gracious mercy, you created the earth and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. In the quiet of these moments, give us pause to see your goodness and your generosity all around us. In the rain that nourishes the earth, in the leaves that fall from the trees, in the sunshine that warms our faces and in the lengthening shadows that shorten the days. God, we often think we want life to stand still, to be as we have always known it. But even the very changing of the seasons is your generous mercy to us. And so help us not to fear change, but to receive it as a gift. As your spirit lives and breathes and works among us in the seasons of our lives, save us from the busyness that leads to blindness, to the failure to see your goodness in each and every day of our lives, and the gift of those who walk alongside us in this life. God, you have created the world in blessed abundance. There is enough food, enough resources, enough love to go around. Where there is hunger, teach us to give sustenance in the form of love, of presence, of first fruits, and daily bread. Where there is injustice, confront us with our hardness of heart. Give us the courage when necessary to tell the truth about our own privilege and to join our voices with those who long for justice, trusting indeed that all belong to you. Where there is pain and sickness, inspire us to use our gifts of healing. Where there is violence and cruelty, open our eyes to our common humanity. That we might reach out to neighbors, not in suspicion, but in generosity of spirit. God, in these deeply divided times, help us to know how to love, how to heal, and how to embrace. In all things, grant us the courage for the living of these days. And hear us now as we boldly pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to say together, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Family of God, this fall, as part of our commit season, we are highlighting different members of our congregation who are involved in different ministries to hear their stories and why they are committing. So this morning, it is my joy to invite up my friend and my peer, Hannah Wright, to speak briefly about the young adult ministry. Good morning. So Hannah, will you mind sharing how and why you have chosen to commit to the young adult ministry here at Preston Hollow? I would love to, and it's a pleasure to be able to do this this morning. Um, I grew up in Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and went away for college for four to five years. And a few years ago, I came home. And uh, it's funny to be talking about the young adult ministry because when I returned, there were about three of us uh, who came regularly and there wasn't much to, to get involved in. And um, I remember speaking with my parents about how to get plugged in and I knew myself, so I needed a reason to come to church and a responsibility. So I decided to commit to the children's ministry program and get involved in there and then also commit my dollars um, and talked with them about how to be an adult and also commit my, my dollars that I was now earning. So uh, then a year later, after showing up I, uh, to church regularly, I had the pleasure of being invited to join Session. And I, to me, that spoke volumes to our congregation and seeing the value in having young adult leadership in the church. And I didn't really know what I was getting into, but it's uh, almost three years later, and it's been a pleasure to, to be able to serve in that leadership role. And a year into being on session, once again, I think our church uh, really stepped up in hiring our first young adult, youth and young adult pastor for the church uh, in just one year, you have completely transformed what we now have as a young adult ministry. And we have small groups that I am now plugged into that I love. We officially have, we've gone from three young adults to 30 in just three years, which is absolutely incredible. And uh, being able to give back, we have our first youth or young adult mission trip coming up, which mm -hmm. is incredible. We've had a young adult retreat and for, for me, it's really been about showing up and continuing to show up, and that seems like so little to ask, but in return, I feel like I have gained so much in terms of community and, and really a, a group of young adults that I can lean on, um, which has been wonderful to see. That's so awesome. I think something as simple as just showing up has yeah. really transformed what, what we have here at the church. Well, that leads me to my, my last question, and, and that how has your commitment to this ministry impacted you over, over this last year? For me, I think, you know, the obvious and the easy answer is that it's provided a community in which I, I do lean on and, and I c constantly have to turn to. It's 
provided an incredible group of friends that I, I truly love. But I think at a deeper level, as I, I think about it, it has challenged me uh, in my day-to-day -day life. I consistently have an excuse to think about how I act in, in my everyday life around those who may not be a part of our church community. I think about what we as young adults are asked to do in our, in our world and, and how that challenges us. And I think that having that community and that group to lean on has really shaped how I act in my day-to-day -day life. It's not the best every day, but I do continue to be reminded that um, you know, all do belong to God, and, and it's a challenge and a blessing to try and strive to live like we belong to one another. And I think especially as young adults, it's incredible to have a community to continue to remind each other of that every day. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Hannah, thank you for sharing part of your story. Um, I have been so uplifted to hear different stories over the last few weeks um, from you and from others. Um, and it's, it's stories like this that continue to inspire me um, and challenge me in my own faith and make me grateful um, to commit my own time and energy to this congregation. Um, you all hopefully have received your commit cards. They have been mailed out, and they are available in the church office and in the atrium. And I hope you will join me this season in um, committing to the work of Jesus Christ through this church. Um, we will celebrate our commitments on October 28th um, on Commitment Sunday, um, and we'll continue to just lift up stories and the good work that the Spirit is doing in this community. Um, friends, God is ever faithful and has gifted us with so much. So with grateful hearts, let us give back to God with all that we have.
Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for all your gifts of goodness and grace. Receive these gifts from our hands as a sacrifice and praise to you. Teach us to honor you with our lives each and every day. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. If you are an Austin College Choir alum, please make your way to the chancel now to join us for our choral benediction. Friends, uh, my father-in-law was in town this weekend, and I tell you this because he is a cardiologist. And I did a little research. There are not 248 sinews in the body. We've grown a little bit in modern medicine. There are 290 now, which I think only further proves what the writer of Leviticus was trying to teach us. Every fiber of our being is created for goodness and generosity and thanksgiving. So my dear friends, please take this good news with you out into the world. For that is what it means to be the church. And as you go, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth. and Far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in all our ways. Amen. Please remain standing for our choral benediction.